Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Tennessee Power Hour is here alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Well, welcoming you to 6th and Peabody, Old Smokey, and Yeehaw. Titans go on the road and win in overtime, 33-30 in improbable fashion against the Seattle Seahawks. What a comeback. What a second half. What a performance. Down 14 in the fourth. And sticking with the run game, sticking with Henry, and getting it done to get to one and one and return home to where they'll now host in week three the 0-2 Indianapolis Colts, potentially without their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz. Uh, We welcome your comments on the YouTube page. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360 where you can find the daily video link if you're listening in Florence, uh, if you're listening in Muscle Shoals, Huntsville, Knoxville, We welcome you to the Tennessee Power Hour, which means, Chad, all things Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Vols this hour, especially during the college football and NFL seasons. Well, and you said it earlier, Hutton, but uh, the fact that we're not spending a ton of time talking Tennessee Vols today is very encouraging for the Tennessee Vols because they did exactly what they should against Tennessee Tech, winning 56 to nothing. Uh, Not a lot of huge takeaways from there as they get ready for Florida this week. We will talk more Vols as the week goes on. But the story in the state of Tennessee this weekend are the Titans, who, Hutton, I know you and I in predicting this game, I don't know if you predicted them to win, we both thought that they would go there and play well and bounce back well and play better. I thought they'd win or lose by a field goal. I didn't know they were going to win. I thought they'd lose a close game. I did not foresee anything like this happening, where they have a busted coverage to fall behind 30-16 to 16 in the fourth quarter with 13 minutes and change left. And then they come back, you know, first time in, I think, 62 games for the Titans, down 14-plus in the fourth quarter to come back and win a game. Just remarkable um, perseverance for that team. And as we start to get into it, I, I, I still think we're going to discuss every element of it. All's well that ends well. And that is a very, very well done ending for the Titans to go up to the Pacific Northwest to hand Pete Carroll his first home opener loss in his tenure as Seahawks coach. But there are some good and bad that came out of well, this game they that, made, still, that still persists with this team. They made a ton of mistakes, but they did not break. And I, I think that... What we saw yesterday in that description of the game and why they won, that is the Titans team we expected to see in week one. And that was not who showed up in week one at Nissan Stadium. The Titans team we, we were discussing and previewing and setting up all offseason is the group we saw in some facet and some form yesterday in Seattle at Lumen Field. Um, I, let, let's start, though, with the second half and, and the good. 345 yards in the second half. Second only to the Texans game over the last two seasons. That's how dominant the final three quarters were, final two quarters were, excuse me, uh, yesterday in Seattle. 
24 points in the second half, tied for their best half over the last two seasons. And on defense, only six points and 164 yards allowed. And that's including like the 60-plus touchdown that broke open on the busted coverage uh, in that second half in the third quarter. Only 164 yards allowed in that second half. If you contrast that with the first half, where the Titans gave up 233 yards and 24 points. I mean, completely flipped. And I was asked last night on, on Channel 5 by John Burton what was different. And when you start to analyze this game and look through what changed, it starts not on offense but on defense in this game because it, it, they gave possessions back to the offense and the offense grinded on the time of possession, which I'll get to. But it starts on defense. Three sacks in this game. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but Chad, if they get three a week, that'd be 51. This would be, <laughs> in, contra- in contrast, they had 19 sacks as a team last season. Only twice did this defense last year have three or more sacks in a game. There were stretches where they didn't get any. But you get my point. It's Three doesn't sound like a lot, especially after what Arizona did against them in week one. Three was big in this game. And also not the easiest guy to sack in Russell Wilson. That's true, too. Yeah. Which is also and a positive. 77 rushing yards allowed against the Seattle Seahawks team. They allowed just 77 rushing yards. 25 of those came on a throwaway down at the end of the half. That's the third fewest that they've allowed over the last two seasons combined. 77. Uh, third down defense. Really, really strong. It was their biggest issue last season. That's been well documented. Uh, They got eight stops in this game yesterday. And four of those came in the second half where, again, it allowed the Titans offense to go to work on time of possession. And and that was really the storyline beyond Henry, which we're going to break down thoroughly. In the second half, plus overtime, the Titans held the football, Chad, for 23 minutes and 49 seconds. That is more than any second half last season at all offensively we know how good their offense was they scored quickly on offense last year yesterday they didn't panic they stuck with their game plan which was Derrick Henry we told you going into the game I told you straight up that he needs 150 plus if the Titans are going to win he has to be superhuman on the road that is how they win that's their offense and yes they got Julio Jones involved and yes they threw the football more yes they had drops that would have big big chunk plays by A.J. Brown the offense goes through 22, good or bad. Um, for the full game, 42 minutes and 33 seconds. That's seven full minutes more of possession time than any game last season. That's how long they held the football. Their defense got stops, and then the Titans' offense didn't leave the field. Even if they weren't getting points, they were possessing the ball. And this is key because they lost time of possession nine times last season. And they were among the league's worst in time of possession. Now, that doesn't mean you, you, you can't win games doing that. But on the road, and to keep the crowd out of it, you add, that's a must against Seattle. And the Titans offense did that. Look, perseverance, fight, check, check. Derrick Henry, checkmate. Every time Derrick Henry gets rolling, it's going to be checkmate because that is a different dude. And he shows it time and time again. And it is remarkable to see a running back in today's NFL have that level of impact on a game to where, and I tweeted it, when you get to overtime, it's feed Derrick Henry. Don't even think about passing. And you don't say that with many NFL teams today. Don't even think about passing. Give the ball to Derrick Henry uh, in, in those moments. And the Titans did. 
and they end up winning, and he had a great second half and a great game. Now, well, real quick, let me jump on uh, on the time of possession. They did all that. They had 52 snaps. Well, let me give you the, the, the devil's advocate part of the time of possession thing. In part, the time of possession worked out for them because they were so bad on a few defensive possessions. I mean, they were good. They were better. You mentioned the eight stops. They had a blown coverage on the second or third play for a bomb. They had another bomb that was terribly defended. Well, that's why I brought up the second halftime of possession. They gave up one big play, but their defense got off the field four other times. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's why the time of possession racked up in their favor. That's great. You know, don't (laughs) – got to be better than that. I mean, there were times where they were just so ill-coordinated out there and were the busted coverage – Moments like that that were not fun to watch for Titans fans. But look, again, it's 30-16. to 16. When that game's 30-16, to 16 after, that's after the busted coverage in the second half, right? They had the two guys knock each other over earlier in the game. Yeah. But that fourth quarter play was the busted coverage that led to it being third and 16. I think that was a third and long play also on that busted coverage. Yeah, that was coverage. not good. Um, from that moment on, the Titans' patience – Sticking with the ground game, sticking with the short passing game, Ryan Tannehill's ability to not force it, drop back, first two options weren't there, to dump it off to Henry, to dump it off to McNichols time and time again, methodically move the ball down the field, and then the defense's ability to get that stop and to get the ball back and to go do it again, remarkable. And a huge win for the Titans, a season-changing win. I believe, I believe that win based off how they just got embarrassed in week one, and they were on their way to getting embarrassed again in week two, down two scores. The way they rallied, the way they got back to their identity, the way they ran Derrick Henry, I, I think when we look back, when you know we're going to talk a lot about the Colts coming to town this Sunday, but when we look back on this game and now this part of the schedule upcoming and what this could do to this part of the schedule, we're going to be talking about the Titans in the playoffs and saying, that was the week where it turned. There's a lot to get into around this game, too. And one of those things is the Titans' offensive line got better when Taylor Lewan wasn't there. That's not good for Taylor Lewan. Well, the Titans' offensive line got better when they were running the football because it takes pressure off of Tannehill. That's what they could not do against the Arizona Cardinals. And that's what they did so well last year when Taylor Lewan was out uh, and when they had to mix and match at right tackle throughout injuries. Arthur Smith maneuvered the offensive line and called uh, the, uh, the, the offense based around Henry. That's what Todd Downing did yesterday. He didn't overthink it. Um, and in some cases, Henry made Todd Downing look really good. You know, there was the, the, touch, the second touchdown run where he uh, gets into the end zone by running through the secondary at the, at the goal line. That play design is to go to the right, which was not there. It was a terrible call because it was defended well. Um, but he cuts it back to the left and makes something out of nothing in that play. That was just allowing Henry to go make a play, and he did. Um, so I don't think it's all on Lawan not being out of the lineup. Um, this is about them getting their run game going and getting back to who they are. Their identity is in the backfield. Their identity is not on the outside. The X factor can be on the outside with Julio Jones. That can win them games in the postseason and give them more options as an offense. But the, their identity is through 
Derrick Henry. Make but, no mistake. And their identity. And, and look, I think A.J. Jones is a guy who mimics their identity. A.J. Brown. Sorry, yeah. A.J. Brown has the – you said Julio Jones. Julio Jones had a great game, which we can discuss also. A.J. Brown is a guy whose personality and the way he plays and how physical he is mimics the identity of Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and that offense and the way they ultimately want to play defense. They're still not playing that way yet defensively, but they want to get to that point on defense also. Um, they did these things with A.J. Brown having a terrible game. I mean, those drops are not A.J. brown light. He was not good in this game. And I say that about Taylor Lewan just to say that if, if someone would have told you that Taylor Lewan was just not going to play at all and they would have been better, I understand Chandler Jones isn't on the Seahawks team the way he is on the Cardinals team, the guy who could individually wreck your game plan and do that to someone. But facts are facts. I'm watching that offensive line even in pass protection, and they're better with a very much a piecemeal offensive line than the guy who's one of the highest paid well, offensive linemen in football. Again, in pass protection, though, they're better because the play action is working. They had zero. We, we pointed this out by the stats last week. They were like bottom – two or three teams last week in week one in play-action plays uh, as an offense where they were top two in the league a year ago as a whole as an offense. They just couldn't get to it last week because they had no – Arizona didn't respect the run game, right? I mean, they did. They were loading the box, but they were stopping it, so the play-action was not effective. Um, and you don't always have to have the run game going to work the play-action – but you have to trust that you're going to be able to protect your quarterback by the threat of running it. And the Titans had that yesterday throughout. But also, I mean, you, you are absolutely right about the mentality of the fourth quarter and overtime. There was no need to do anything other than turn around and hand it to Derrick Henry. That's all they had to do. Nothing Because else. Henry took over. we got to talk about officiating in this game when we come back. Officiating, also. we will talk about Taylor Lewan's injury, uh, where he, he limped off in, in pregame warm-ups. Uh, and we'll give you my opinion on what that's setting up for this week. And something, um, I, uh, something I predicted would happen. Yes, you did. Yes. It was either going to be pregame or early in the game that he was going to check himself out. Titans never broke. Derrick Henry, one of the, the, the main reason why. We'll go in depth on 22's performance and why I would put it up there with among the best that we've ever seen in games from Derrick Henry as a Tennessee Titan. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Titans get it done on the road against Seattle. Time for our Seen Clearly segment presented by Dr. Rolando Toyos and Dr. Melissa Toyos at Toyos Clinic. See better, look better. OutKick 360's trusted partner for all things LASIK and hair restoration is Toyo's Clinic. Call 800-603-1989 to schedule your consultation today. 800-603-1989 to schedule your consultation with Toyo's Clinic. Chad, the, the performance by Derrick Henry, thorough. By the thoroughbred in this game. Very thorough. Uh, di- what, 13 carries? Did not look promising in the first half. Then he... 14th carry went for 11 only two other carries in the game went for more yardage than the 11 yard carry on his 14th touch he earned it you know going back to the carries and the yards per average and everything he had 35 carries the most he's had in his career he had six catches the most he's had in his career they went through him and they built on that 191 yards of offense in the fourth quarter over the last two seasons No team has had a fourth quarter like the Titans pulled off in Seattle. 
191 total yards, 110 of those came on the ground, and 81 passing. Dating back to 1999, the Titans era across the entire NFL, 191 fourth quarter yards with only 81 coming through the air, the sixth most rushing yards by any team. And the Titans trailed by two touchdowns and did that. It's the stats are amazing, and it's remarkable once again to see when the Titans are up against it. It's Derrick Henry's show that that's that's where they go to. That's their calling card. That's where they know they can go to when things get tough, and they did it once again. Paul Kuharski was in Seattle. He's now back with us. Paul. Paul, welcome. Hey, sorry, uh, just a. Hellhole getting back uh, once I landed. Um, this was paired, this great offense at the end, which was Arthur Smith-like patience with Derrick Henry, which I think everybody was worried about after the first game, right? Because we didn't see any hints of it, and it just wasn't a game that allowed for it, maybe. But they did it, they, and they did it in the second half, right? They played three horrible halves of football, one really good half of football that bailed them out. But it was also paired with the defense turning it up. Because Seattle, in its last four possessions, was punt, punt, end of half, punt. They gained 42 yards on one of those. They gained two first downs on one of those. But they went flat. And they went flat because the Titans turned it up. And Eight finally, yards, five yards, 42 yards, minus 12. Yeah. And, and a safety that should have been called. It was a safety. They, they always try not to call a safety. Uh, always. They always try to put you at the half-yard line. I don't know why. It's clearly a safety. But... The defense turned it up in sync with the offense turning it up, and the Titans turned into what we thought the Titans were going to be down the stretch in this game. If you're going to do it, that's the best time to do it is at the end of a, of a crucial game against a tough opponent in a tough place. It was, a second, it was the seventh highest rushing total of Henry's career. It's the second highest if you remove the Jacksonville games where he always <laughs> just crushes Which them. Which deserve a little de- the department of their own. But – I would put this up there with his best performances we've ever seen because of how it came together in the second half. He had 13 carries for 35 yards at halftime. And the guy finishes not just by running the football, he finishes in the second half as the second leading receiver behind Michael Pruitt. And this is after Julio Jones became just the 13th wide receiver in the Titans era to have 100 yards receiving or more at halftime. After that, it was Michael Pruitt and Derrick Henry in the passing game. This was the Henry show, and Seattle had no answer for it whatsoever. Pete Carroll said of the 60-yard touchdown, you know, we're concentrating on that edge, we're concentrating on that edge, we're concentrating on that edge, and then it just busts, which is music to the Titans' ears, right? That's what they want. They want to do that all day, and eventually somebody makes a mistake, he gets past the first guy who sprawls at his ankles, and then what's he see? He sees space, and he can outrun everybody. And when he gets that 60-yard touchdown, they're energized. He's got all of a sudden money in the bank and the rushing column and the complexion of a game changer. I think it's important to note, too, guys, that the, there, there is one team that has produced 500 or more yards of total offense in a game this season through two weeks. It's the Tennessee Titans. And they did it by scoring drives of 70, 68, 63, 80, 75, and 68 yards in the second half. It's not like Seattle fumbled the football and they took over the 13 and got an easy score and a gift, which I tweeted out they needed. That's what it looked like going into the second half. They needed a gift from the Seattle offense. 
who, Paul, you're, you're right to point out the final four possessions of the regulation because the last three Seattle possessions of the first half, three plays 83 yards, 48 seconds, two plays six yards, 28 seconds, seven plays 75 yards, a minute 44. I mean, they made it look easy, and I thought the Titans offense needed to gift like the Titans handed Seattle in that first half, and it turns out they just needed to stay patient. That, that second half was more or less, Paul, uh, what I said in the first segment of the Power Hour, that's the Titans team that we expected yes. to see from the jump. Absolutely. Now, they've still got some serious issues. They oh, cannot yeah. give up 68, 62, 50, and there were another big player or two in there. They're giving right. up huge chunks of yardage. And again, they talk <laughs> all about this communication thing all offseason, and Bayard says after the game, that's the communication thing again rearing its head. <laughs> well, I mean, you're four, quarter, you're four halves into this thing, and you're, well, it's rearing its head. Well, but it was with McDougal yeah. and with uh, – with Molten. Yeah. Molden, excuse me. McDougal can't – I don't know what they're going to do at safety going forward because McDougald was bad. I don't have a lot of faith in Crookshank. They I think benched you, him. you got to go to him. They benched Molden too. Molden's really good with what's – it's funny because they've wound up with a, a junior Logan Ryan, and when they let Logan, Logan Ryan go, what did they say? They said it's not a horizontal position anymore. It's a vertical position. And now that vertical position, Molden's given up a touchdown in both games – Vertical. Well, well, I, Molden also had the unfortunate side effect of just right there on television for everyone to see, looking foolish on that play, uh, on the the big touchdown where they end up running into each other, the two guys and knocking each other out. I mean, it's a uh, he essentially it was the version of getting dunked on. Yeah, in in football that everyone had to see. And it's difficult here to mete out credit when Lockett ate them up. I mean, Fulton is really winning me over with his performance through two games. And he was mostly on Metcalf. And when he was on Metcalf, Metcalf had had one catch. So it looks like, knock on wood for them, that they're finding a a cornerback one. They've got a first-round draft pick who doesn't even make the trip, who hurts himself in in mop-up duty and special teams work, and, and Caleb Farley. But they've got some problems in the secondary. Now, uh, up front, where you're looking for more, he, uh, you know, the first game they made a big deal out of, oh, he's just going to have the same amount of snaps as Murchison. Uh, Autry was, was really good. I think he had seven pressures. He was impactful this game. Very impactful. So that was a, a big deal. And uh, that, that's one to grow on there. And we don't know what the situation with the quarterback in Indianapolis is, but they go into this game in favorable position now. Off of one really good half of football and bad things going on. Well, they were already in great positions. So they've got Jacksonville, who's terrible. They have Carson Wentz in the division, who has two ankle issues now. And then Terod Taylor has a hamstring. It's going to be out four weeks or more right now. And the Jets coming up on their schedule, the guy who throws as many picks as as completions. You're right, yeah. Now, let (laughs) the officials in this game. Yeah. This game should have never been to overtime, if we're being honest with how this game played out. This was, and we can get into how it, there were some bad calls against Seattle too. Julio Jones, I don't know what else you can do, man. That was a touchdown. That was a great play. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. But the confusion over the rule is ridiculous. Let me show you this. If this is the field of play and my foot comes down and part of my foot is out of bounds, I'm out of bounds. Now, he was in bounds, so it's Correct. a moot question. But I don't understand how so many people are saying, well, if his toe's down first and he's like this, he's in bounds. Have you watched football? If you're standing up and your foot comes down and part of your foot's out of bounds, you're out of bounds. It's different than toe drag swag. 
you know, the part of your foot that comes down has to be in bounds. His was. It was a miss. I mean, Donald Page, I think, had the picture with his foot. It, you know, I don't know that it's clearly in bounds. It's definitely not out of bounds. You cannot overturn a call on what That's they have. That's my point. I, I need to see the view that made them say, you know what, his heel's out of bounds yeah. because they're lying. And that's a four-point call. So I, that, I think that hurt them terribly. The, the frustration with the rule, first off, he was in bounds. I agree with you. There was a, I've yet to see the angle that the officials had in New York or wherever that definitively showed his heel was out yeah. of bounds. On the rule, and I, I, I'm blanking on who was the color commentator for the game, they were confused by the rule I heard because they put you. it was um, – it was a receiver, James Lofton. Yeah. James Lofton was on the call because Gene Steratore came on and said, I'm sitting here laughing and loving James as the receiver. His analysis of this, that he's definitely a touchdown, he's in bounds because the ball of his foot comes down and the heel comes down out of bounds. He clearly didn't know the rule on that. Well, he Gene Steratore can't see. I would also question his vision. Uh, he needs to go to Toyo's clinic. Because if, if well, James, what I'm saying has James Lofton's to... talking about toe drag, uh, how you can have two feet in bounds and drag your toe, your heel never hits, and you fall out of bounds as well, a touchdown. Hutton, what I'm saying has nothing to do with... Gene, Gene Sterator is saying his heel came out of bounds, and it did not. Yeah, but Gene Sterator is also... Let me get to what I'm saying about the rule and why people have a problem with the rule. Gene Sterator was showing the difference in the rule. The rule is this. I don't know what he was saying about Heel it toe. came out of bounds. I don't know that he's probably just siding with the NFL in that deal, but he was just explaining to James Lofton. What they're looking at is the, when you're going backwards, basically you're going backwards, the ball of your foot goes down, the heel has to come down and bounds also. But what's confusing about it and difficult for people to, to grasp is that's not the case when you're going forward out of bounds. Because Correct. not every Diving. part of your foot has to be in bounds because your toes can hit in and then your heel can hit out of bounds after your toes touch and you're, it's, a, it's a catch. Well, based, on either, based on either way you interpret the He's rule based bounds. on direction, He's in that bounds. is a touchdown. You know, yes. I, I should stop doing no this. No one disagrees with that. That's virtually why I don't understand why time, the NFL is trying to say that. Virtually every time I tweet, I just can't see this overturned, it gets over, overturned. Well, okay, a couple things here. We all agree, total agreement. His heel came down inbounds, regardless of the rule, regardless of James Lofton being confused by the rule. Touchdown. Gene Steratore's explanation of it, that should have been a touchdown. It was a great play by Julio Jones. That's the type of play that when they get Julio Jones, I'm thinking he's going to make these types of plays. And he made it, and he got robbed of a touchdown. The, the no safety call. To me, it's not as much of a no safety issue as a no intentional grounding in the end zone issue. Which is the same thing. Because Russell Wilson is one of the more elusive quarterbacks in the NFL. Russell Wilson would have been allowed to spin out of that first tackle and go do something miraculous without being called down. But because they err on the side of he's down at the one-foot line in the NFL, they're going to call him down there. Where if he spins out of that, which he was spinning out of it when he threw it, and he stays on his feet... The NFL's going to have no problem with him making a big play. Right, but then it's intentional grounding out of the end zone, which is a safety. a safety. I thought the play should have been intentional grounding in the end zone for a safety to end the game. Yeah. That he spun out of that first tackle, and then he threw it at intentional grounding in the end zone, game over. Now, I think Seattle's got a debate with the taunting call. Yes. Maybe, one of, the, uh, maybe one of the unnecessary roughness calls. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't direct scoreboard calls the like spot, the two Titans The call. spot was horrendous. Yeah, I don't know why Vrabel didn't challenge that. Did he get asked about well, it today? I don't well, know last, last year he was yesterday. asked about challenging a spot, and he's like, you never win those. Right. 
But this one was different in that it was more an open space than yeah. in, in, a, in a crowd. So I would ask him that if I was there today. I um, haven't seen a transcript. I don't know yet. if he was asked about that or not. And then uh, the, the, the third call, if we're, you're right, the, the, the safety call is just one, it's just a head scratcher. Um, nonetheless, though. The ta- going back to the taunting. I, I know there's an emphasis on this. You can't look at that, a guy that, after you make a they play. Need to, the, the league needs to issue multiple apologies, and they should issue an apology on that one. That is not taunting. Well, the guy just made a reaction after breaking the play up. A great just play. just kind of did a, just a quick little flex. He didn't stand over him. No. He kept running. That's weak. It was so weak. It needs weak. to be more flagrant and more aggressive than that. Well, again, we always err for the quarterback on everything. We're going to give Russell Wilson the ability to, to elude a sack and make a big play and not call him down if we think he's about to do something great. But when we see him about to get sacked in the end, end zone for a safety or have an intentional grounding in the end zone to end the game, oh, he's down at the one. A, a classic example last night, Lamar Jackson should have been called for taunting when he picked up the first down and the fourth down. He stands up in the game, looks at a Chiefs player, and spikes the ball in front of him. Absolute taunting. That's taunting. If you're going to have an emphasis on taunting, that's taunting. You could argue doing a somersault into the end zone is taunting, like you did before, but they're not going to call the quarterbacks on that, but yet they're going to call well, they're the not gonna call for Well, they're not going to call it either if the defense wants to celebrate a sack and do a, a choreographed dance, and that's not taunting. Well, you just can't do it in front of the player. It's about directing it at somebody. Yeah, but ridiculous. if you direct something at somebody for two seconds, I mean, there's got to be some so, time to so it. So what they're telling us is A.J. Brown didn't direct any taunting in between plays at that defensive back, right? No. And, and, like, at any point in the game, uh, no receiver was talking trash oh, to that yeah. defensive back, and that defensive back makes a play and then flexes, and that's a penalty? Yeah, right. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's like the guy who throws the second punch, you know. Right. Oh, oh, right. the one that gets burned. Um, he, here, and Chad made a, a solid point earlier about this being one of those launch pad type performances for the Titans, and I agree with him from this segment. It, it's how they got up off the mat and in the second half and really the fourth quarter. So let's just go through how they never wilted. They never broke. They made tons of mistakes in that first quarter, uh, in the first half. You know, the Reynolds on the illegal he motion. Doing? He's playing Canadian League I don't, football. I don't know. That's legal in Canada. Uh, I was thinking to myself, did Josh Reynolds play in this game? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, he, was, oh, yeah, he, got, the penalty. He, yeah, he got that penalty. Chester Rogers is um, so far ahead of Josh Reynolds. It's silly. Uh, first and goal, Henry had the run to the three. Uh, Reynolds with the false start. Uh, instead of 10-3, to three, it's 6-3. That's a swing of points there. Then all of a sudden, Seattle hits a huge 63-yard touchdown to Lockett. Two plays later, Tannehill fumbles again. And for the third time this season, we see the ball turn over on the fumble. And it's 17-6 Seattle. And you're going, here, here they go again. This is Seattle ramping up. Um, the Titans respond with a great drive with Julio Jones on a touchdown that was called back. That's a touchdown. So that did not go in their favor. Seattle then bust them for what I think typically would be a knockout blow. Seven plays, 75 yards, it's 24-9 at half. I felt like they were They settled for two field dead. goals instead of two touchdowns because of Josh Reynolds and the terrible illegal motion and the terrible 
an overturned touchdown where they have to settle for a field goal. Then Seattle hits them and makes it 24-9. But here's, here's the crucial drive. And it really it gets overlooked because of how and what they did in the fourth quarter. But they come out of halftime with the football and go on that long drive and score. That 80-yard touchdown drive where Henry had five carries on that possession. They get a stop. Let's go to that possession for a second, that drive. Yep. Michael Pruitt is the featured guy on that drive. Yeah, it was That's Pruitt where he got Henry all of his catches. Yeah. Throwing yeah. to two unconventional guys on a team that are loaded. Now, we were giving them grief about this in the loss the first week, right? They couldn't find their guys. But in this game, on that drive, they came out, they adjusted, they saw a softness, a weakness, and they attacked it with unconventional guys because it was there, and they made Seattle pay for the way they were covering them. That was really, really good. That was pivotal. I think it's important to note that Julio Jones had over 100 yards receiving at halftime, and they came out in the second half and threw to Michael Pruitt, Derrick Henry, and turned around and handed him the football. Absolutely. That is every piece of evidence you know about the identity of this offense. It's, the X factor can be Julio Jones. The identity is King Henry, especially on the road, period. And that's a, that drive nine. was a big plus for Todd Down. Then they go miss a field goal. That was just painful with alignment issues and issues on third down. Could have been 24 to 19. Three plays later, it's 30 to 16 on a busted play. And the Titans found themselves 30 to 16 in the fourth quarter and they came back and won the game. That is the resilient effort that we will look back on now that could be a springboard of things to come. Instead of 0-2 against 0-2, it's 1-1 with a chance to send the Colts to 0-3 in the division. I don't know if this includes Kingdom or if this was just at their current building, but what was the stat that CBS put out there? 52-0 and 0 at yes. home when they led by yep. 15 points. That's a ridiculous streak to put to an end. Agreed. Um, Titans special teams, just in general. Yeah, well, that's where Chester Rogers isn't showing up. When was the last time, though, we, we've talked about really anyone showing up? On special teams. It, it I'm seeing them not getting aligned at times yeah. on field And they're goals. not putting the ball into the end zone because they want him to come out. They're <laughs> yeah, saying, come right. on out. We're going to tackle you well, well does, short does, of the 20 uh, or 25. Yep. When does Craig Ackerman start to get some criticism? I, I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, you know, he, it's he, not good. He's been deputized to a degree by, uh, well, by I, Mike Vrabel. When Mike Vrabel's not around, this is, this is his guy. Part of the problem is they have had zero consistency at kicker, so the special teams – you know, joke Pyramid. has been about the nine kickers yeah, that they've been having the revolving to door. This other stuff. But yeah, let's keep a spotlight on some other facets of special teams. The Titans get nothing in the return game. You're right. Ever. You're right. Uh, they're not getting aligned properly at times on extra points and yep. field goals. Um, I mean, he's he's bailed out by a good punter mm-hmm. over the years. I, I just don't see what. What Craig Ackerman is bringing to the table right now as a special team I think that's absolutely fair. Hutton, I want to go back to what you said to lead that off as you built up what they did, uh, that they came back off the mat. The troubling thing about this team to me, and this is only a small microcosm, but it is kind of a tendency with them. Mike Vrabel's very good at getting them off the mat. Uh, Derrick Henry's good at coming off the mat, all of that. They have a tendency to need to be on the mat. And that's, right. a, that's a problem. I don't think the best teams in the league, Kansas City's on the mat right now because they, they, they took one to the jaw yesterday. But the best teams in the league, does Tampa Bay need to be on the mat right now? Do they need to find themselves in a corner to fight out of? Generally, no. I, I mean, everybody suffers their moment, right? But they're not waiting until they're in the corner 
to fight their way out. And the Titans have that somehow in their DNA. Yeah, but not to this extent. Like, it's been slow and prodding, but not like not, – it's not consistently like – This game was this, a major microcosm yeah, of yeah, it yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to a, uh, you know, multiply it out degree. It's tough to repeat what they did. Exponential degree. Right? Yeah, but, they're not going to live doing but, this. Right. Right, but the, the fact is they survived doing this with on the road. Really impressive. I uh, mean, this goes up there on Vrabel's list. I, you I know, agree. After the Houston game where they put it together with tape and, and stick them, I, I don't know. This and Randy Bullock hit a win. kick. Yeah, he did. Did Randy you see Bullock how I tweeted him? Look, the guy, I, I don't want to make fun of him. He, he does not have a great body. You know, he's got a nasty <laughs> nickname because he doesn't have a great body. I took a picture of him What's during the game. Uh, his nickname is Fat Randy, which is not a, you know. I thought it was Big Bone Bullock. That's yeah. what I heard. <laughs> I've heard Fat Randy. I took Big a picture of him. <laughs> I took a picture of him before the game, and I said, the fate of your team may rest with this man. Old Big Bone. Thinking, you know, this is not something that you want it to come down to. A lot of people tweeted it back to me. They said, what a prophet you were. What a prophet. I, I think people are too liberal with the word fat this day and age. People that I, I would not, be, be, I would not only because him as there's fat. so much fatness in America. Yeah, like there's it. he's I mean, he's not in great shape, but there's there's between being not in optimum shape and being a fat on man. a football field. I think you could probably use that word. I'm not throwing it around. The guy hit three kicks yesterday and won him a game. Oh, but if he missed, I, you'd I be throwing it around. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I'm not throwing it around because the guy made a game winning kick. The moment he misses one, he's fat Randy. I'm not in the habit of calling guys uh, that I cover nick, uh, nasty nicknames. But if you look at him next to football players, he's portly. What if he likes the nickname? Maybe he finds it hilarious. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's funny talking right to a guy like that. We asked him how many people nickname. he knows. He said, I know a lot more after I hit that kick. They call you Fat Randy? <laughs> Oh, Fat Randy's my name going back to elementary school. <laughs> you know that uh, I was called that in fourth grade. You know, Mrs. Ten, Wilson's class, they call me Fat Randy. You know, ten, I don't know if he likes it or hates it. I, uh, I who likes like that? It. Nobody likes that. You know he held for Tannehill for uh, Tannehill held for him for four years in AM? They're boys. Yeah. They showed they, uh, that on the broadcast. He went he went into the AM Hall of Fame on Friday night. Big he bone, was inducted. Big bone bullet. <laughs> big bone bullet. That's a much more uh, that's in a time where everyone needs to be kind and everyone wants everyone to be kind, I'm just telling you what, that's a kind way to give the nickname. I think we know who their I, kicker is a Sunday against Indianapolis. Then, I don't know. We don't know. We presume sometimes that the three-week IR for a guy is, you know, how long does a groin take for a kicker? Ficken had a right groin I mean, injury. Think about, uh, if he's ready, though, I think they go back to Ficken. Think about what we what we will see on Sunday. We have big bone, fat Randy Bullock. And blanket chip and looks Ro- like a pencil. Rodrigo blanket chip who looks like a matador (laughs) a matador with give me my eyesight problems a rare matador that doesn't have 2015 vision yes yeah he got in uh, he took a special test he could go to toyo's clinic though toyo's clinic see better look better toyosclinic.com for more information where we are seen clearly stay tuned more coming on outkick 360 And for the Tennessee Power Hour, that means the Tennessee Titans at 1-1 one and one after yesterday's overtime win in Seattle. Paul, you were there. You were filming Taylor Lewan during warm-ups where he was scheduled to play and then did not play. Limped off during warm-ups, inactive for the game. 
What did it look like being on the sidelines for that? Yeah, I, I have to admit, I missed uh, all of it. I saw a couple of the other guys filming him limping off. You must off. have just I, missed it. I paid attention to him warming up for a while, and then I moved on to some other things. Actually, I went on to the other side of the field to see receivers up close, so it might have happened then. Uh, must have just missed it because it didn't sound like he was out there very, very long. Um, yeah, really unfortunate, but, uh, you know – it's not poorly timed in terms of like uh, the, the, the conversation we had last week, the conversation I had with Pro Football Doc, that this was not going to be quick and clean. Um, and we were just talking, the Titans ran a ton of plays in this game, 83. Uh, Blake Bettingfield wrote, you know, the best way to do well with a bunch of backups on your offensive line is to run. And, run, you know, we just talked about Derrick yeah. Henry ran the most he ever has run with the 35 carries. I mentioned that last week. They, they had to run guys. with Lawan in there. Yeah. Because you can't trust the protection. Um, and they're protected relatively well. Three sacks is cutting last week's total in half. So <laughs> you're, you're improving a lot there. He's under fire in moments for sure. Yes. But I, I would say, you know, the problems that they did have and the reason that they fell behind, I wouldn't pin on Sembrilo and Questenberry. In this game, the way last week would automatically target the two tackles. So they did a good job there. But you need Luan back, and you need him back sooner rather than late. It's not happening anytime soon. How about Kendall Lamb? He played himself out of uh, the second spot of those three tackles in two series last week with his bad It'd be shot. nice to have a second-round pick that could play tackle. And Dylan Ray. Hey, I don't, I don't, you know, he, uh, somebody made a crack. Like, hey, I wonder if he's doing as well on the extra point team as uh, Isaiah Wilson. And we watched him on one, and sure enough, he was on his ass. <laughs> oh, no. Can we please find video? Oh, that? no. I need so, to see that one. Let, let's go back to Lawan for a moment because, Chad, you were alluding to this for the last couple weeks. This, this does not set up well where he just all of a sudden pops back and plays against Indianapolis. No, no. And, and I talked about it last this, this week. Has this has IR was, written all over it. Yeah, the, yes. I, I, I said the, the proving ground is going to be how he bounces back in Seattle. And I said, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets out there on the field and he can't go or something goes south early and he decides he can't go. Um, and clearly, this is not a injury in warm-ups. This is a constant problem that as he's testing it out in warm-ups does not feel right physically, mentally, whatever. It could have been an injury in warm-ups. I, 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 I'm watching that. I, I saw the injury. Uh, Channel 5 had a great shot of it. And I, I mean, oh, okay. I it looked it. more of like a guy who didn't trust was him, already like. injured. Yeah, that's he's trying to go, it. and he you can't can watch go. him walk. He just doesn't feel secure it. on. I mean, there's, there's something going on where he just doesn't trust his knee right now. And it, I'm, look, I'm not saying he's faking it, something's going on. No, he's the not recover- faking the, the, the recovery. The hasn't he's gone not bad. well. There's We're seeing him work through those issues, yeah, and it's not going well. This team needs him, though. He's uh, not going to be back anytime soon. It's been soon. well documented uh, what they have done this offseason and what they have not done this offseason. They need a healthy Taylor Lewan, and he's, he's, not, he's not healthy right now. So Look, not is everybody. Is Sam Rilo willing to step in? And then here's where they get back into what happened last year, Paul, and this sets up, and we're just in week three now, the musical chairs of guys getting dinged and – you know, the, the, the tackles who are on this roster now, while they start the season with depth at tackle, they're one injury away from being decimated there. Saffold's out, too. So I know, you, yeah. you're getting paid a fortune at left, left tackle, left guard. Yeah. And right now, your left tackle, left guard is Sembrilo and Aaron Brewer. 
I, I mean, you know, they're going to And Ben Jones, who is struggling. Ben I Jones mean, is gets, having a tough start. He is so tough. <laughs> he's tough and having a yeah, tough he's start. He's having a tough start. He's, he fought like hell to fight through injuries last year. Yes. He did a good job. But you hope he's not hitting a, hitting a wall. Listen, Henry was great yesterday. But two of the last three games they've played, Baltimore and Arizona figured out a way to, at all costs, slow him down. I'm not saying Indianapolis finds a way. I'm just saying there's film out there of people stopping him. And if you can stop him and force those linemen to have to pass protect, we know what the recipe is to get at this offense. It starts by just having negative yardage on first down and making the Titans offense play behind the sticks. That's well documented as well. Uh, We continue to dive into Titans discussions tomorrow. Had a lot more to get to from this game. We will hit it tomorrow. More NFL headlines as well. Enjoy the Manning cast tonight. Yes, that's right. Packers, Lions, and we'll recap that and much more tomorrow on Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.